You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And we're back in the studio this week, getting ready to talk about a new series that just started here. So we're welcoming you, our guest. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Angie Brenneman sitting at the table with us, our family ministry pastor, Brant Nine, our executive leader. I'm Chris Knight, and we're glad that you joined us today. Guys, we kicked off uh, last Sunday a three-week series building up to Easter. First of all, are, does it seem real that Easter's this close? No. Time flies. Well, I would like more sunshine because Easter and Easter bunnies and like that Easter whole fun. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm, everything you see in the kids stuff and all that. It's just like, yeah. it deserves it's, sunshine. Yeah. It doesn't seem Easterish yet to me. Uh, that's why every time I, I hear people talking about spring break, being an empty nester now, I, I'm like spring break. Oh yeah. I guess that was a thing. Yeah. I forget about it. Uh, but that's coming really quickly and I'm, yeah. I'm ready because I hopefully will bring some warmer weather our way. Mm -hmm. But it's Easter, and we're getting ready to kind of ramp up here towards Easter, and we want to set the stage for Easter. I think it's really easy for uh, followers of Jesus to just get to Easter and talk about the empty grave, but not really talk about the sacrifice and the price. And so uh, these next couple weeks uh, prior to Easter, we're just going to tackle some of those topics. I want to know today, guys, what, what brings you stress? What brings stress into your life? Okay, Brant, what would you say? Um, well, we, we just had a fire alarm go off at the church. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty stressful. You should have seen us running around this building <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> that was a moment. Yeah. yeah I, for those of you who don't know as well, we, we have a school that brings uh, children here yeah. for, for Bible release time, which is which is awesome, two days a week. Uh, and the bus shows up as the fire alarms are going off. So that's a little stressful. Hey, why don't you just hold the kids right there for a Everything's little? okay, kids. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> just last stay right there on the bus. <laughs> it's your last yeah, that's right. Literally, literally the, the last day in Bible, yeah. Oh, that was stress. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, I got the opportunity this week to sit under the basket at Gainbridge Fieldhouse for the Northwood State Championship game. Uh, during the game, as we were trying to lose uh, towards the <laughs> end of the fourth quarter, my Apple Watch told me, uh, your heart rate has exceeded 120 beats per minute, and it appears as though you are inactive. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's stress. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. We're this close. I'm into this. We get stressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say one of my big um, stressors, and maybe everybody who's listening, there's probably somebody can relate to this, is people, like just the triggers that sometimes you have, and then all of a sudden your heart rate races because you're like, wait, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> it's not supposed to be that way. <laughs> Sometimes I look at my bank account and I say those same things, Angie. Wait, you're not supposed to do that. It's not supposed to be this way. So I say finances also. Yeah, finances. Your spouse. I mean, hey, yeah. come on. Right. Sure. Uh, While I was laying out this series, I really wanted to stop and think about the stress that Jesus was under. Uh, you know, sometimes, like I said, we just jump to the empty grave and go, ah, look, he's, he's alive. This is great. Let's celebrate. Let's put on our Easter dresses and our, our little bow ties on our kids and, and let's celebrate. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's do the Easter egg hunt. Let's uh -huh. get the chocolate out. This is going to be great. And we miss the stress. 
I think when we talk about salvation, the price that was paid for us, we really ought to go into even more than just the cross. We need to go into that whole storyline. Yeah, it's a journey. And I don't think we often take that journey. When you step back and you think about um, the table, kind of the, the last supper to the tomb, there is so much that takes place in that short, it's like two weeks, two, two and a half weeks, if we want to measure it by time. And there's so much that happens in that. And so um, I really liked how you laid this out is that Jesus always had the cross on his mind. He did. Always. He yeah. knew it from the beginning. It, yeah. And I often think about that. It, it, obviously, there's, there's coming a day, Chris Knight will die yeah. uh, unless Jesus returns before I die. But I will die. I don't live life thinking that I know what my next step is going to be, and it's the next step towards death. But reality is, every one of us, our next step is getting closer to the time that we die. Jesus knew going back into Jerusalem that the time was now. It was coming. He knew every every day that passed, every laughing moment with the disciples. Sometimes I think we don't get this idea that Jesus had fun, right? right. But every moment, every encounter, every serious interaction, every every fun moment, he knew the next step was towards the cross. Yeah, and I think um, sometimes when we think through um, death, we just avoid it. We just don't even want to think about it because it gets so unknown. He knew, like, knowing what kind of pressure and what kind of pain and what kind of hurt he was going to face. And I think when we see it from his perspective, it changes our perspective that we're grateful that him being fully God and fully man, he was so faithful for Mm -hmm. me. He was faithful for me. Yeah. You ever get into a point, I don't, I don't really know how to say this, but you ever get to a point where you're super serious, you know something's just happened or something's about to happen, and the people around you are kind of screwing around and not taking things seriously, and you're like, listen, this is important right yeah. now. Pay attention. I kind of sense, like, can you imagine Jesus in that time going, I know what's going to happen, the disciples saying stuff like, yeah, we're not going to betray you. And I thought, no, listen to me. You oh, are. Right. You are, right? Yeah, your children, we do it all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like yeah. parenting, doesn't it? It does, it yeah. does. It sounds like teaching and coaching, yeah. actually. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. So mm-hmm. it's stress. Right. There's a mm-hmm. lot of that that goes on. Uh, I actually, I love scripture. I personally like how Matthew lays it out. Uh, I'm Angie, you are our, our avid book reader. Uh, to me, I love blog posts because I like the shorter. I have, I have a, a window either of attention span or the amount of time I have between meetings and appointments, I can read, give me several paragraphs. And I kind of feel like Matthew 26 is laid out like that. Uh, let's just jump in real quick to the headlines here. Uh, if if uh, On Sunday, I was talking about how like scene change, there's different scenes and it's just, this is, this is the next thing. Uh, Matthew 26 starts with a plot to kill Jesus. There are people who set out, this is what's going to happen. We, we wanna see Jesus killed quietly, but um, but we shouldn't do it on Passover because all these people are going to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. in town, and uh, that wouldn't go well. And then it goes to another scene change. Jesus is anointed at Bethany, and then Judas agrees to betray Jesus along the way. They get to the Last Supper, and uh, I kind of emphasize this point a little bit. Uh, Jesus just tells the disciples, hey, listen, uh, one of you who is sitting at this table is going to betray me. And the, the disciples' response is, is it me? Like, like the question mark. Uh, th- that is all of a sudden the moment of 
of revealing everything that's been going on in your life. Does Jesus know about this? What like mm-hmm. does he know my thoughts? What, what what's happening here? One of you is going to betray me. Is it me? That's mm-hmm. the pressure. Mm-hmm. I think too that just to to sit here for one second, they realized that he was bigger than the moment. I think in that that mm-hmm. he knew more than what they even began to understand. Yeah. You know, up to this point. Yeah, I think there is this eye opening. Like, what are you talking about? What, you know. Help me understand this a little bit more. I go back to uh, this time in high school. Me and my friend were going through a drive through at McDonald's, and we get to the window to pay for our food, and this gentleman comes up to our car and, like, tells us to roll down the window, and he starts yelling at us, telling us that we, like, sideswiped his car. And he was like, you're going to pay for it. Once you get your food, you're coming over here. And I... My friend and I looked at each other and we're like, did we, did we hit a car? <laughs> like, did, are we the ones that did that? And so just in that moment when you were talking yeah. about like, is it us? Yeah. Like it ended up not being us, by the way. Like they, they got the the right kind of car, but the wrong car. Interesting. And yeah, put us through like so much trauma in that moment. But we did question like ourselves, did we accidentally hit a car and not even know about it? And I'm sure the disciples felt that way too. Like, is it us? Did we do something that was a tell sign like what's going on here in this um the cold sweat that yeah. begin <laughs> yeah stress uh, stress yeah <laughs> so jesus says hey you're going to betray me one of you sitting around the table is going to betray me and then he goes on and he and he says uh takes the bread and he breaks it he says this is my body uh broken for you and then he takes the cup, and he says, "This is uh, this this glass of wine is to represent the blood that is shed for the forgiveness of your sin." I, I kind of wonder what the disciples were feeling like, like, hmm. like again, you you mentioned it's bigger than the moment. Yeah, I think there was a lot of processing, even with that question, like, "Is it me or what's going on here?" This is more than just having some bread and wine at this moment. Yeah, yeah, goes on, and he says. Uh, that you are going to betray me, Peter. He predicts the betrayal. Uh, Tonight, all of you will desert me, he says. And here's Peter, right? In such a Peter fashion. Peter gets a bad rap, by the way. Uh, I think a lot of us would be Peter's. (laughs) Listen, I'm not going to do that, Jesus. Right? There's... these guys might, not me. I, I can't I can't believe that I would ever do that. I'm the rock. I, I will not I will not do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet he does. The other guys start to agree too. No, we're not gonna do this. And I just think about the the stress that's set up to this point. The plot to kill Jesus, he's anointed at Bethany, the, the disciples there are pitching a fit about the waste of, of the oil, the 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 fragrance that is poured over him and and then the stress of, of the betrayal. The, the Last Supper, Jesus is under pressure here. They go out of that place, and they go into the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he goes there, he says to them, hey, watch with me. He takes uh, the sons of Zebedee, the two brothers, and, and Peter, and he says, watch with me, pray. I think that's significant, um, the whole idea of watchfulness. It goes back even into the Old Testament and the process of watching and uh, going back to the Passover in Egypt. Uh, when you guys think about watching, what, what do you think? What comes to your mind? 
awareness, um, but also a, a plane of responsibility. Like mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to be aware. It's not just having awareness, it's taking the responsibility of awareness. And so that's kind of what Jesus is inviting them to is like, watch with me. He's, he's making the invitation and he's putting it out there for them. Mm-hmm. And it's their responsibility and their response that that's up to them. And I think that just really puts a character piece of God in this, that he's still given us mm-hmm. the opportunity to be involved in this mm-hmm. journey and in this time. Yeah. And it's up to them how they respond because we know how they responded. <laughs> yeah. There's a sense of urgency mm-hmm. to there with that alertness. Um, yeah. So Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I think everything that points up to this point simply says this. Jesus is under pressure. Mm-hmm. He's under stress. He's feeling as though the weight of the world is upon him, and he's asking those closest to him, watch with me. Just pray. Watch with me. Going back to the Old Testament, the Passover story, where uh, they are to put the blood of a, of a lamb on the doorpost, and that night uh, the angel of death will pass over if you have the blood on your doorpost, marking the significance of you being a follower of God. And if you don't, then the firstborn of your family will die. Uh, I can imagine the stress that that would have created. All of us sitting around this table, our parents, I cannot imagine that moment. I don't think I would have fallen asleep early. I don't mm-hmm. think I would have fallen asleep. I, I would like to think I wouldn't have fallen asleep. Just praying, God, make sure everything is good with our family. The watchfulness there. That same concept of watchfulness is the same concept of watchfulness that we're seeing now in uh, this book of Matthew as he's talking about this moment with these disciples. Watch with me, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that just made me think, you know, when our kids are sick, yeah. you know, Hutch was throwing up the other night, you're automatically just awake now. Like you're, you're so alert, you're so awake and you're, you're tending to their needs because you need to watch them. You need to make sure they're cared for and, and that nothing goes wrong and, um, just to kind of keep an eye on them. And and I'm guessing that's the kind of watchfulness Jesus is asking of his disciples here too. um, be with me, don't leave me, (laughs) like stay by my side. Mm-hmm. And that shows even to his, uh, like the emphasis of relationship mm-hmm. and what he desired that these guys, he's called them to walk with him and be in relationship with him. And so in this moment, when he's at the highest amount of stress, he's still inviting them. He knows what the result is going to be, but he still wants that relationship and wants that um, opportunity for them to be involved. Yeah. On Sunday, I was pointing a picture, uh, painting a picture of what this whole idea of a Gethsemane is all mm-hmm. about. Uh, to me, I love scripture and I love how it just paints clarity. But so many times we don't understand the clarity because either culturally we don't do those things anymore or historically we've moved on from that tradition. Uh, the fact that he's in Gethsemane, that's an olive grove. It's uh, referred to as different things. I, th- I think it's John that simply says uh, they went to a garden. Uh, if, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's Luke that said they went to the Mount of Olives, and then uh, Mark and, and Matthew both say this was Gethsemane. Well, a Gethsemane was really interesting. So in the middle of this garden, if you will, it's an olive grove. Olives were, were, were grown in order to make olive oil. And, and uh, that required one of those big millstones. So they would take these fresh olives and they'd put them in this uh, little trough area and this millstone would crush them. And out of that crushing would come the virgin or extra virgin olive oil, the first run of this oil that's being pressed. And then they would take all of that pulp and they'd put them in these hemp bags and they'd take this long telephone pole like uh, like like a structure and they would put a rock on top of these hemp bags put the pole over top of it, and then 
put weights on the end, and that pole would create like a lever that would just press out any extra oil, and it would sit there over time, just continually pressing until there was no more oil. And that gath, that pole is referred to as a gath, and the oil is shemanim, and so the gathsemane comes out of this. And so in the middle of these gardens, there was this gathsemane, this press, and the fact that Jesus is in there feeling the weight of the world and the press upon him, mm-hmm. we understand from Scripture that he began to do what? Yeah, sweat blood. Sweat drops of blood. That's mm-hmm. pressure. That's weight. <laughs> and I just, I love the picture because I think it's something we quickly, wow. quickly pass over. Mm-hmm. I think that's really true. And just that, um, I think this is cool about the Bible too. Like you said, it just paints something um, in the moment, kind of like a big canvas that you see this um, taking place and Jesus in this garden and he's so heavy. His his spirit is so heavy, let alone the, the, the whole weight that he's carrying, the burden that um, he's actually coming to his father and saying, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, let this cup, cup pass, pass for me. Mm-hmm. And then go back. Hey, uh, guys, watch with me. I'm under a lot of stress. Watch for me. And, and you find your friends sleeping. I know. How does that make you feel? I know. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> right? I mean, like, <laughs> I think you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Mistake. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then to go back, oh, at least, okay, I woke them up. So now I know they're going to watch with me, right? And I'm going to go back. And, and, and then he's, he keeps having this encounter with them three mm-hmm. times. They're mm-hmm. sleeping. How many times did Peter deny Christ? Yep. Three. Man, isn't it interesting? There has to be some symbolism there, too, right? Yeah. Of how mm-hmm. many times we often fall asleep in our faith. Yeah. To only have to only be woken up, you know, again mm-hmm. and, and again and, and again. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Jesus is about to pay this price. Mm-hmm. And he's just saying, be watchful. So let's let's shift in this podcast. If if you want more details about this sermon, you can watch it on our YouTube channel or you go to our website, walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C dot org. And you can watch the sermon there. But let's kind of move towards the end of this story. That as I wrapped up this series, uh, sermon of this series this week, uh, I, I, I take away personally several things. One is that we are to stay watchful, mm. to stay watchful. I, I think even as we go through this day uh, in, a, in the Peter series that we did, rooted uh, out of Second Peter, we talked about uh, the the fact that we should be attentive to the times and be ready and be prepared, knowing that the, the hour could come at any time, being ready. So when I think about this idea of being watchful, uh, I think about the fact that we often go through life acting as though, well, Jesus said he was coming back 2,000 years ago, and, and the, the critics today say, yeah, come on, I mean, it's been 2,000 years, you really think he's coming back? So we kind of get ourselves culturally lulled into sleep, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would use the word that comes to mind is complacent, kind of, that we just kind of give up in a way, saying, uh, I'm just going to go about life. I don't know if it's really going to happen. And I think as Christians, we say, oh, I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm staying, I'm walking, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not um, doing anything that's, you know, wrong or breaking any of the Ten Commandments. I'm just doing my thing. And that's complacency. And that's not watchfulness. Watchfulness takes discipline and it takes a, um, a real decision to be ready, a real decision to, to say, yeah, I am going to, today I'm going to wake up and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be determined for my purpose, for my mission, what I'm, what I'm going to do today. It may only look like um, meeting a friend for coffee, but that friend may need you to be watchful for them. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for us personally, it's just 
being in prayer, opening up our Bible. You know, I think like we can say, be watchful and, and the average listener is going to ask, well, how, like, how do I do that? Um, be in relationship with the God who created you, I think is, is something that's, um, we've grown complacent with, like I say, I'm doing this and I'm a good person. So, you know, that's how I'm living my life. I've grown complacent. I've fallen asleep in a lot of ways because I'm not engaging in a relationship with, with God. Uh, a handful of years ago, uh, Amy Checkley, uh, who now lives in Florida, boo, uh, <laughs> we miss you guys, uh, made a handful of signs for us that are around the church. These little wooden blocks that say, be intentional. Mm. When I think of watchfulness, I think of intentionality. And so when I think of how many conversations have we had with people who say, hey, listen, I know I should be more attentive to my spiritual life. I'll do that someday. It goes back to the complacency Complacency. that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I think God's called us to a purpose and to be watchful should be being attentive to our purpose and not coasting on that purpose. Mm -hmm. And with that, it's not just for other people. And I think this is where a lot of people go, well, I'm going to be intentional in my relationships with others. No, wait, hold on. Our first intentional relationship is with Jesus Christ ourselves. And that's what you're saying, Brian, is that that's the first step. And Mm -hmm. when we say, oh, yeah, you got to be disciplined, watchful, ready, it's just making the choice to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and walking with him day by day and in the moments, and he'll meet you there. And then all of a sudden, those moments open up to new moments with new people and new relationships, and it just builds. And I think that intentionality then increases, and you're like, well, if God's doing something, he can do something for you too. Let me you know, walk with you. Let me help you know, guide and um, be your friend in this. And I think that's what that's what true watchfulness is, is just mm-hmm. growing by um, experience and in relationship with God and others. Yeah. So I think one of the takeaways is be watchful, but another one is be thankful. You know, when, when we really stop to think about the, the, the crucifixion experience, the, the weight of this and, and Easter, it should mm-hmm. push towards gratitude on our behalf. If I'm really thankful to somebody for something, then I'm I'm cognizant of it. I'm aware of the price that was paid. I'm aware that of the generosity that was given to me, uh, and I'm grateful. I, I go to bed sometimes at night after somebody's done something really nice for us, and I think, Lord, make me a person of gratitude. Like uh, help me be somebody who also pays forward these That's types what I was of benefits. Say, pay it forward because I think somebody who sets and says, you know, well, I'm entitled to get that. But what changes that mindset is gratitude and looking that I didn't deserve that. I was given something. I was given a gift. Let me, let me give somebody else. And I think gratitude automatically happens when you begin to think outside yourself and we get really focused and entitled to what we think. And I said this before, we live so far (laughs) away from natural and survival mode that (laughs) we don't even know sometimes what to be thankful for. Our milk, our, our, our water, our heat, mm-hmm. right. um, our electricity. <laughs> right. We live in an entitled, entitled, excuse me, society. And so gratitude, you know, just looks different now than maybe it should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jesus paid an incredible price on the cross for us. Uh, he gave the example to his disciples that night at the Last Supper. This is my body that's broken. We'll get into this in the, in the next uh, sermon probably a little bit more. But he also gave him a cup. Said, "This is this is to represent my blood, which is shed for you." To me, that pushes me towards gratitude, and I am grateful for that. And I am almost fifty years old now. 
I should spend the next days of my life being thankful for what Jesus did. Uh, but again, it goes back to the idea of being intentional. I got to be reminded of, of regularly, Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you. And because of that gratitude, it should push me to the third point that I'd like to make. And, and my takeaway is stay committed. Stay committed to the cause. Uh, out of, out of the, the, the need to be watchful, out of the need for gratitude, I should be committed to this cause, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about um, the fact that there are people in this world today that need to know Jesus, uh, they need to know this gift that was given to them that this price that was paid for them, uh, that should help us stay as as followers of him committed, shouldn't it? It should. Yeah, it should. But it doesn't seem Well, so. and I want to say that here we read in Matthew 26 the whole story of these disciples and just their error of this whole commitment wavering. Mm. And, and I think that that's just a testimony. It's our human. We are humans. We are bound to sin. And, and, and Jesus actually knows this about his followers. And he even says, you know, be watchful and pray because you could be tempted to fall asleep and not be in this spot. And so he's aware of that. And I guess for me, it gives me a little comfort that he calls us back even when we fail. And he calls them back how many times? And he calls Peter back and he still has relationship and walks with them. And the the gospel goes forth with people who make mistakes. Let me ask you guys this. I agree with you, by the way. Let me ask you guys this. Let's talk about our culture, current day, modern day, right here in northern Indiana, in our region. Uh, talk to me about commitment, just in general, to anything. Are, are we a committed people? Are we undercommitted? Are we overcommitted? How would you best describe, how would you guys define commitment? So in our area, yeah, we are very committed to athletics. We are very committed to uh, alliances, whether that be the, ty- the the school systems that we're a part of. Um, we're committed watchers of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're committed to that show that we're going to, uh, you know, watch the whole series of it in a weekend. So when I think of <clears throat> just our culture, myself, these are the things that I commit myself to. I don't often see myself committing, I, I should say this, I don't see myself consistently committing myself to prayer and reading of scripture like I do those other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, w- I would agree with you, Brian. I would probably use just a little different word than those would be examples. We're committed to our tribe. We're committed to people who look like us and yeah. act like us. Yeah. And that's probably, that encompasses it all. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's just an overarching, yeah, like, um, you know, just some of you guys may know this and that as a listener, but like I'm an Irish fan. Yeah, I'm going to be committed to the Irish and I'm going to be Irish. like that's just a commitment that you make in your mind. Right. You're like, yeah, I'm going to root for them or, you know, I'm going to commit myself to, you know, this kind of financial gain. So my 401k sure. looks like this. I mean, we're all committed to these different tribes in our life and what we want our life to look like. And I think we are easily drawn into that because it takes and it takes away the um, emphasis of our commitment to Christ. Because guess what? That takes a little bit more. And I wanted to ask you this question, Chris, because I think this ties to Gethsemane and this idea of commitment. Jesus was committed in the suffering. Mm. He was committed 100% to the suffering. What happens to us when we know the suffering's upon us? Mm. Usually I'm like, hmm. I'm out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you got a little painful there. <laughs> I think I'm going to step this one back. But I think that when we're in that suffering, and I can 
I can talk to people who've gone through this, like when they go through cancer or loss of a spouse or different things, they mm-hmm. meet Jesus in a whole new way yeah. because they meet him in that suffering, in that Gethsemane, that press. Yeah, they do feel the weight that, you know, the average person who hasn't experienced that or been that close to a, to that type of experience has felt. Um, I will say this, being committed to those things in your, your tribe, mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. No, no it's not bad. But I think it goes back to the Rooted series again, Chris, when you talked about, like, what's your priority, though? Yeah. Like, how are you prioritizing these things? I think you're right. You know, my take on it, the reason I asked you guys first, I, I was curious what you thought. Um, my take on it, I think I hear a lot of people say, we're just not a very committed culture. We're not very committed. We don't commit to anything. I actually think that's false mm-hmm. because you you jumped in right away, Brant, and said, uh, no, I think actually we're committed to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're not committed. I don't think we're committed to the right things. Yeah. Correct. I think it's it's a misappropriation of our commitment. Mm-hmm. And so I think for, for whatever reason, our culture says, I will commit to Jesus later. Mm-hmm. I need to do this now. This is in this season, uh, Angie, goodness, how many times have we had somebody uh, who is now an empty nester or other times say, I don't know why my kid doesn't love Jesus. My college student, pray Mm -hmm. for us. We don't know what to do. Or my adult child, I don't know what to do. Well, because you modeled what commitment looked like to everything Mm -hmm. else, now you don't understand why they can't flip the switch and all of a sudden love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. You've never modeled it. Yeah. Our children are mirrors to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and how we live our life. But I think what you're saying, too, is we're not committed to the right things, and we're not even, I think that the Christian faith gets a little um, uncomfortable when Christ asks us to do the things that are hard mm-hmm. or ask us to make some um, some really choices that may even go against our other commitments, right. you know? Yeah. And I think um, we kind of just say, well, this is easier over here, making this commitment now, and I'll do Jesus later, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listener, this has been a very fast 30 minutes. Uh, For me, this conversation just took off. And before you know it, we're out of time. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Uh, If you've processed, if you made it to the end of this episode, here's what I would encourage you to do. Ask yourself, am I being watchful? What's watchfulness look like for you? Am I being thankful? What, what, how grateful are you for the cross? How grateful are you for salvation? How grateful are you for the fact that Jesus says he is going to return? And then how committed are you? Stay committed. Are you committed to the cause of Christ? Don't wait for for later on to become committed. Uh, Maybe ask yourself, what am I committed to that's taking the place of a commitment to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Listen, here at Walker's Missionary Church, we're here for you. We want to help you on your spiritual journey. We want to walk alongside you. We want to encourage you. Listen, none of us sitting around this table have gotten it all right. We are uh, committed to continuing to grow ourselves, and we want to grow alongside with you. So if there's anything we can do to help you on your spiritual journey, then we encourage you to reach out to us. We would love to partner with you. If this episode has been encouraging, then we encourage you to share it with a friend. Uh, Share it with somebody else who maybe needs to listen to this concept of what it is to stay watchful, stay committed, and stay thankful. We are thankful for you. So thank you for your continued support of this podcast and uh, for our ministry here in Wakarusa. In the meantime, as you process this season heading up to Easter, we wish you all the grace and peace that's found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for tuning in. At Home, the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. 
If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org and clicking on the At Home tab. Thanks for listening.